Monk Realty Show is the podcast at the intersection of real estate, technology, and future. This podcast is produced by Monk Tech Labs, which owns and operates SaaS products like the House Monk, which is used to manage residential portfolios, and the Office Monk, which is used to manage commercial portfolios. Do you have like a checklist of, okay, these are the top things that we look for when we identify and choose a partner? We have a very important filter with which we understand if the company is good for us. Let me tell you, they need to be at least eight years on the market. So like two cycles of real estate. They need to have a reasonable size. So deliver, let me say, at least 2000 uh, homes every year, more or less. Uh, they need to have a super, super clean approach to business without any clouds. You know, we do our background checks and we meet the people. When uh, everything ticks off, we are ready to establish the partnership. And this is working very well in Colombia, in Brazil, in India. And this is the way to go. All right, folks, um, welcome back to another episode of the Monk Realty Show. Uh, today, we have a good friend of ours, uh, Mr. Daniel Russolillo, uh, joining us from uh, the Planet Group. He is currently the Chief Operating Officer as well as the Deputy CEO of Planet Holdings UK. Uh, Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. So, um, just for context, uh, for those of you tuning in today, uh, Danny and I, we first met, I think, in 2018, 2019, uh, when Planet was just getting started in India. Uh, we visited a few sites and we explored a few projects and from there to now they've come a very long way both in india as well as in their global aspirations so congrats on on all the progress especially in such short time absolutely and uh, i remember perfectly when we met it was at the very beginning of planet i barely knew what pune was i have i had an idea where bangalore was but not pune never been there before right. and and now i'm sitting actually in hotel in pune because i'm spending some days here for work and it was amazing. It's been a great ride. Fantastic. So let's maybe like jump right in, right? Um, for for myself, like I've been looking at Planet Group quite closely for a few years now. But from your perspective, uh, or for someone who's kind of getting introduced to Planet Group completely new right now, how would you maybe introduce uh, the company? It's very simple. The vision of the company, which is based in London, with headquarters in London and present in various countries, we'll lead on that later is to raise the standards of affordable housing in countries characterized by high level of housing deficit. So India, Brazil, you name it. We can go through the target countries or, country or planet whenever you want. The point is that we want to do it with a twist. We are not a traditional real estate developer. We have two layers of innovation, one more, let's say, prop tech slash digital, the second more related to social innovation, which makes us really different from other developers. And on top of that, let me also tell you that we do it differently because we have a global approach. And this has directly to do with the way we uh, provide R&D services for all the uh, companies of the group. Very interesting. Um, let's maybe start with the global focus itself. Uh, most developers hesitate uh, even to leave one city uh, that they have kind of focused and built operations in. Uh, and I know so many developers uh, in Bangalore who don't even leave a certain zip code. 
right so they really want to build hyper local expertise and it takes them many years possibly decades to even leave the city and go to the next city leave alone you know think about multi country operations but planet right from the day you started you started more as a global company right uh, with operations in india brazil and a couple more in the pipeline so what led to that thought and how do you kind of manage operations when you're doing you know multiple countries that too for for a company that's so early in its uh, in its own life cycle so let me tell you everything started with the idea that real estate is a super local business like you correctly mm-hmm. say how can you do things differently we needed a global approach for basically three reasons the first one remember planet was born in brazil in south america from the two founders johnny savio currently the global ceo and susana marchioni currently the ceo of the brazilian operations and they started from brazil but they understood that what they were doing in brazil to raise the standards of affordable housing could become a global concept why because we work in a very very specific segment we only do affordable residential housing there's no other segment there's no commercial there's no hospitality so let me tell you since the very beginning planet understood that the key for growth was to have a scalable and replicable format understanding that the need of the households doesn't matter if it's in brazil or india let's say 85 90% are exactly the same families want a safe place to raise their kids they want to try to save some money when they run the house with the operational expenses and they want to live in a beautiful place because you know it's important to when you wake up in the morning to know that you're actually staying in a beautiful home and a beautiful neighborhood with people you can trust this trust me is the same all over the world Why is it important to have a, a format? Because volumes and scaling up is a lot easier. Then, if you have a global approach with a global format, you can actually do what you said it was difficult for real estate developer, like going in other countries, a lot more easily. But then, why we want to go in different countries? Well, let me tell you. If you take six, seven countries in the world, let's say India, Vietnam. Indonesia, Brazil, Mexico and Colombia. You basically have 40% of the global affordable housing demand in the world. Only seven countries. Mm-hmm. So, in this way, you can have a huge market. I'll tell you some numbers later. And at the same time, with a global approach, you're pretty confident that of course there are currency risks, of course there are operational risks. because emerging countries sometimes are a little bit less stable the mature economies but yeah. if you go into all of them at the same time maybe there's accelerating when brazil is slowing down and vice versa so you manage your risks in a very interesting way so at run rate when you have projects in all these countries at the same time even if one goes not as you really thought all the others will catch up and this is a new concept for real estate because real estateers are super local guy and they need to be i understand they need to be but you know the the third reason then is that we wanted to be able to invest in research and development and only if a company has uh, you know 
uh, a business where you can produce very interesting returns like affordable housing can give you in some countries and you invest what you get you can develop all those replicable formats that technology those innovation sometimes a developer works at the local level doesn't do instead for us R&D was very 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 important we don't uh, yeah we don't cash all the all the money we make we invest we invest in R&D in Turin in Italy in this moment we have a competence center which is focused on ESG and prop tech so we're talking uh -huh. about real estate prop tech and uh -huh. ESG with more than 300 people Wow. And, this, and this serves the innovation needs of all the group. So when we talk about PropTech or the Planet platform, digital platform, or we talk the Planet framework for community development in our communities, our competence center is the place all these innovations are created in. Very interesting. I think two very good takeaways for me from this are one by launching more globally uh, essentially it's a hedge right like so one can do well one might not do well but you effectively try to come out ahead so that makes uh, that super interesting uh, also your strategy on innovation and centralizing quite a lot of your operations uh, right like into turin especially on the innovation and design side um, makes really interesting sense uh, let me ask you a question here right something that we notice is that the design requirements of many different parts of the world are different like for example i notice quite a bit whenever i go to let's say southeast asia that kitchens are not as important in southeast asia i say that because there's a big takeout food culture right uh, i've seen so many houses which don't even have a kitchen and even when they do it's really more of a small kitchen um, versus let's say in india where kitchen is so important and you know like a home cooked food is so important and there's just like one uh, one important design change um, are there other design challenges like this that you stumble across where different regions in the world have like completely different design requirements? This is a very important question because uh, first of all, I'm Italian, so I like to speak about food and kitchens. This is very, very okay. important. <laughs> the second point is that, um, you know, what you mentioned is uh, where sometimes companies fail when they go abroad in countries and they don't respect enough the local requirements. Our recipe is very simple go with a local development partner usually we create relationships where we bring equity technology social innovation framework design as well but we have the majority of the voting rights in the local spv so basically we control the situation but we find the local partner who wants to co-invest with us talking about the special purpose vehicle at the local level that we run the, the development project, we usually, you know, 10, 20, 30% goes to the local developer. Why? Because he needs to have skin in the game and needs to help us to exactly not make any mistakes like the way you were saying, in case I go to Southeast Asia and I produce an 800 feet kitchen that nobody is going to use. You know, the local hey. development partner is important to understand local culture, land titles, permits, authorization procedures, and of course the markets itself, because being a developer itself, he will have run all his sales, you know? 
And of course, yeah. we need a partner like that to run the sales at the local level. We don't go alone. Going alone is arrogant and sometimes prone to failure. Interesting. And how do you go about sourcing a local partner? Because there are so many real estate mm-hmm. developers and construction companies, all of whom could be partners for you, right? So do you have like a checklist of, okay, these are the top things that we look for when we identify and choose a partner? So uh, you will remember very well when we met, we were exactly in the face of looking for our partner. In these moments uh, in India, we partnered with a great developer in the city of Pune, Kulti Patil Developers Limited. The company has been yeah. on the market for many, many years, very refined. Why we end up partnering with uh, Surajesh Patil? Because we met many, many. I calculated probably something like 80 operators, 80 zero between developers, large developers, smallest developer, medium developer, um, landowners, uh, brokers. We met a lot of people and traditional way. So we didn't go through the usual government, chamber, chamber of commerce and, you know, uh, embassy. No, we took our plane. We uh, had the luck to know some very competent in real estate people in uh, India. And of course, you know, some of them are mutual friends. And we started because we need to understand bottom up. And of course, we have a grid. We have a, we have a very important filter with which we understand if the company is good for us. Let me tell you, they need to be at least eight years on the market. So like two cycles of real estate. They need to have a reasonable size. So deliver, let me say, at least 2,000 uh, homes every year, more or less. Uh, they need to have a super, super clean approach to business without any clouds. You know, we do our background checks and we meet the people. When uh, everything ticks off, we are ready to establish the partnership. And this is working very well in Colombia, in Brazil, in India. And this is the way to go. Interesting. Um, so much of the focus for Planet is around affordable housing. Uh, I'm just thinking, do you also have a focus on rental housing as well? Because especially in the affordable segment, um, rental becomes like a very, very key driver of the affordable segment itself. So is that part of the focus? Is that not something that you're looking at for the time being? What's the strategy there? So let me tell you, um, nothing is ever written in stone if you want to create a business that follows the trends of the time. We, uh, 99% of our business model is focused on build to sell because in emerging economy, especially in an aspirational approach to life, people want to start to climb the social ladder. Sometimes they are the first owners in the wrong family tradition buying the assets. This is what happened. And it was the same in Europe in the 60s and this is what happens. But countries like India, Brazil, these countries are moving fast. So rental is happening, especially in very high densely populated cities where, for instance, the cost of the price of land is very high. It makes sense also to have a built to rent offer. In this moment, we're only one project with built to rent, which is a typical multifamily in the United States. You know, mm-hmm. If you start from the United States, you nail it. Uh, investors like when you show that you can develop also in a mature economy like that. Um, but it's the only project we have out of nine projects all over the world in Brazil, Colombia, okay. and India. 
So we are understanding the gist of that business, but in this moment, we'll keep on being focused on the build to sell. But we're ready to jump on the build to rent if the opportunities are right. That makes sense, fair enough. Um, and let's talk a little bit about technology as well, right? Um, you've, as, uh, you've kind of highlighted that uh, in Turin, you have uh, a central, um, you know, like development center and like people are looking into what kind of technologies can be built and deployed all the way across all your assets, right? Why? So it's not a question of why technology is important, but I'm trying to get your perspective on why now? Because a lot of prop tech and a lot of software solutions and technology solutions for real estate have been around for a couple of decades now. Um, are you seeing some kind of inflection point or something changing in the market? Why do you feel that now would be a very good time, especially for yourself as a developer, to be investing into technology? I'll give you an answer that every every single person on this planet, planet mean Earth, not our company, would give you. <laughs> saying that uh, after two years of pandemics, people got used to do a lot of stuff on their mobiles. But this answer is a little bit boring, right? Because everybody says the same things. I'll tell you what I think. I think that times are changing fast. And in the 20 years, in the two decades you're talking about, the biggest difference we see in, our, in the countries we operate in is digital transformation and age. Meaning that our customers usually range from 25 to 35 years old. And they actually do everything with the mobiles already. Forget the pandemics. They were doing that even before that. And the mm. presence of the internet and uh, the ability of creating platform, matchmaking platforms, is actually in great use in these countries. So people just want to have the same user experience that they have when they hear music in the car or they order delivery food in their own home and in their own district. So managing the delivery with a smart lock connected to your phone, opening the door of your house with a smart lock, because maybe you also rent your house and you want to give it to somebody else when you're not in the city. So a smart lock makes complete sense. Or the ability to check in quasi real time your energy and water consumption because you want to, you know, watch your bills on your phone is something that people like. All these things together make uh, a nice opportunity. People want this kind of innovation. Young people basically <laughs> give it for granted. I mean, I don't want to say it too loud, but very soon, if you sell an apartment without a digital ecosystems around it, so with an app, we can do stuff, people won't even look at the apartment because you wouldn't buy a car today without a radio frequency switch. You wouldn't use your keys to get into your car unless you are yeah. a very, very old car lover. And it will happen the same thing for our houses. Houses have been the same too long. House right. as an object, it's been the same too long. Doors, windows, okay. You know when the houses became really different? When utilities came on board. You know, before utilities like electricity, mm -hmm. water, house was a shelter you go to the house because you protect yourself against criminals and against and against weather agents like heavy rains like the monsoons in india when utilities came house became home meaning your kids can study at night with electricity you can cook inside your house because you have natural gas or electricity to cook so utilities 
you know, in the last century became what really changed the house as a place. But then mm -hmm. what happened? Yeah, materials, regulation, blah, blah. We understand and we know the story. But actually, as an object, it remained the same. Instead, with digital transformation, the house is something different. I can understand what's going on in the neighborhood because I connect to the district. Planet App, which is our app for front-end users, um, is a place, it's a digital place where you see what's going on uh, in your neighborhood, in your consumption. You can get training on, 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 on home usages and the way to save the environment and stuff. So the house itself is a different place. And PropTech is nothing else than supporting the digital transformation of the item house that for too much of a long time has remained a little bit too similar to itself. I mean, I don't want to, um, I don't want to underestimate the relevance of the materials, technology of constructions and uh, the beautiful um, thermally insulated windows we get nowadays. I don't want, I mean, uh, my background is engineering. I know all this stuff. But if you think about the user experience of the resident in the apartment has remained the same for too long. And now digital transformation can definitely change this. Everybody That's talks about uh, artificial intelligence in these days. I still think that we should look after natural intelligence for a little bit more, not just talk about <laughs> artificial intelligence, but imagine what, what this platform applied to the housing environment can do when you have a general artificial intelligence system associated to it. It's mind-blowing. We're just at the very beginning. We don't see what's happening. I remember when I connected to the internet the first time when I was at university in Turin in 1995, it looked like it was magic. And now my kid, six years old, when we go on holiday in a, in a, in a, in a hotel, things that everywhere in the world, you should have Netflix, Disney Plus or Prime Video. It is not like that. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we are just at the very beginning of a big change. Very interesting. Actually, the point that you mentioned about um, once utilities came into the house, that completely changed the living experience, right? And that being an inflection point, uh, that's very insightful. And uh, that could be like another way to think of uh, living experience and how, you know, technology can change that living experience. Um, exactly. Maybe talking a little bit more on that, um, especially around, let's say, property management. So something that we notice quite a bit is that developers, especially in the sale market, um, when they are building to sell market, right? So in the build to sell market, um, create the asset, sell it, and maybe after a year or two, completely exit the project. And maybe there is an owner association, a resident welfare association, uh, like a committee gets, you know, like set up and they continue managing the property thereafter. And we notice quite a bit that the maintenance and upkeep of the property kind of like starts going down. Because uh, a lot of these owners like who form the committee and associations, they're not really trained to kind of handle this and they focus too much on the short-term cost savings and don't really focus a lot on long-term value creation. And even developers want to exit the project in some capacity fairly quickly because uh, for so many reasons, you don't want to be like, you know, like held liable for all the small, small things that might come up post-delivery of the project. So on both sides, there is um, people don't want to kind of continue that relationship. But from a long-term point of view, the asset quality and maintenance like takes a hit, right? Um, any thoughts um, on whether you want to continue staying invested as a property manager as well in these assets? Like what are the thoughts there? 
well, I think we, it should require days of talks with you, which I'm available for, so it depends on your time. But thank you for the question, because it's really important. So let's, uh, first of all, let me tell you that uh, developers, when they sell you a house, their dream is not to hear from you anymore in their lives. This is, what you're, this is what you're saying. So um, what you're talking about is a residential welfare association or commonly known in India as societies are something different. Let's, let's try to um, clarify what you asked me in, in, uh, in one or two topics to be very clear for the people who are actually watching your podcast. Um, planet doesn't go away when the development is delivered and sold to the customers. We stay, we don't go away, we stay, why? Because two layers of innovation we have, which is the community development for our residents, and also the ability to run our digital ecosystem prone to digital services that we sell to the residents is something it's important for planet. In fact, we have three business units. One is real estate, of course. Yeah, one is digital, and the other one is advisory, which basically means we help third-party developers to do what we do. But the second one is a BU, is a business unit, the digital, because it's got its own P&L. We don't, we don't just provide digital ecosystems and uh, digital services to our residents to do some uh, gimmicky marketing and to push people to buy our own apartments. No, 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 no. The digital business unit of Planet is meant to make money. And we are already doing that in India because uh, after not a very long time, uh, like six, nine months of uh, pre-development, we are on the market now with what we call Planet SIM, Smart Infrastructure Management, which is basically a B2B platform where we support the societies in India, the residential welfare association to manage the water distribution within buildings and in a very short time really very short time maybe in another in another situation uh, or maybe you invite me again i can give you detailed numbers um we collected more than 55 societies which is thousands and thousands of people and uh, we are aiming to go very soon up to 300 societies uh, under management for the our water smart infrastructure management system, which is a IoT slash software um, system, we help the societies to manage water saving because you know everything is automated. You don't have overflows. You understand where fails are. I mean, it's too long to explain, but uh, people are going crazy because it's exactly what they want and it's working. So this is one of the reasons we stay after we deliver the homes. And we can also provide this one to um, third-party developers of already built projects. Because as you know, in this moment, we have three projects running in India. So you might ask me, Daniel, how is it possible? Three projects, 55 societies, what's the trick? The trick is that this uh, B2B software slash IoT application gets sold to existing societies and there is not only in our own development but third-party developers and societies are keep phoning us because they want this kind of solution and this is why we stay after we deliver the home because we know how to also let me tell you when i speak about community development 
our people do not perform the same job as the residential welfare association we don't want to substitute those kind of people the counselor the counselor and stuff we provide something different our social specialists community specialists uh, don't look for broken pipes they look for broken hearts what does it mean uh, usually i say this to explain conflicts at the local level management of the amenities and shared spaces activities for kids for single mothers for the elderly people this is what we do and this is why the communities uh, that we embrace in our model love what we do in planet they feel pampered there are social specialists community specialists who look after the needs of the segments of that district maybe the elderly people have a special need maybe the kids need to have uh, activities at the local level this is what we do but we finance this in our own uh, projects because the model for community development is very specifically determined so that we need some months not years to understand what the community wants and give governance tools to the communities so that mm -hmm. after a specific time let me tell you six nine months when we step back the community starts to self-generate solutions how creating a committee for the single mothers creating a committee for the elderly so we basically give the community the tools and the understanding of how to self-generate solution to their everyday issues it can be the cleanliness of the district it can be people always parking badly somewhere the people mm -hmm. will look after their place and this takes me directly to my last topic which is if with social innovation you actually take people to understand the long-term value of the district and their assets something magic happens they will go to the society and ask to do better maintenance you know you told me right. uh, something, something degrades in times it degrades because the demand is not very qualified but if you teach people how much important it is for the long-term value of the property to look after it to manage it they are going to ask the society for to do a better job and then the society must activate to actually try to do a better job and this will take us to to, to answer the question how to do a better job and everything but maybe in another situation we can talk about it. It, it is an interesting approach um this is kind of more of like a tech first approach and uh, to keeping in touch with your customers even through the long run so, uh, Danny, uh, one of the questions that I really like talking to real estate developers about is around the topic of sustainability and decarbonization. Um, where Planning Group is based, which is in the UK and Italy, uh, I know that sustainability and decarbonization is definitely a hot topic of discussion. But where you're actually operating, which is, let's say, Brazil, India, and all the emerging economies, these markets are probably not yet ready to start paying a premium for sustainable buildings or buildings which have low carbon emissions. So you as a company, how do you think about handling this decoder? So let me tell you, um, interestingly, you mentioned a premium price with the uh, decarbonization option. Maybe we should try to change this mindset. I'll try to explain. When I speak in public, I usually say that uh, 
it's possible to work on the E of ESG if you um, change a few assumptions on what we usually think is necessary to do to decarbonize an industry. For the real estate, for example, in our case, I don't want to speak for the others or for other segments, I don't know that well, but in our segments, we are already been studying, this is confidential, so I can give you only some information, but for one year and a half, two years, we've been studying a prefabrication system um, that basically could provide volumes and we could deploy it like uh, one for every tier two cities we're interested in, in order to serve two or three building sites. Fully, um, uh, fully productive because with one industrial facility you can serve three uh, building sites and you can get very easily to reduce the time of construction by 40%, the CO2 by uh, 20%, construction prices 5-10% at least. So this kind of situations let you achieve the first steps of a decarbonization path actually with a pricing, basically underlying cost, that are not very different from what you already doing in the market. And that's key, because if you ask people to pay a big premium to decarbonize, people are going to say no, especially uh, like in the economies you were mentioning. But if you provide the same product, more or less at the same price, this young generation won't think about it twice and they will choose the so-called green option. Things are changing. Uh, young generations, our customers, are getting ready to understand um, the level of sustainability of the houses they're going to live in. But let me add something. When we talk about the carbonization of real estate, and again, I'm talking just about affordable housing, so residential products, People always uh, concentrate somehow, because this is the, the peculiarity of the industry, on the construction process. But let's not forget that decarbonize in assets means also uh, to look after the operational carbon, not only the embodied carbon that you have in the asset itself. If you like the show, please don't forget to give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.